0: Grimm's Fairy Tales, The Golden Bird A long time ago there was a king who had a lovely garden around his palace, and in it stood a tree which bore golden apples. When the apples were nearly ripe they were counted, but the very next morning one was missing. It was reported to the king, and he ordered a watch to be set every night under the tree the king had three sons, and he sent the eldest into the garden at nightfall. But by midnight he was overcome with sleep, and in the morning another apple was missing. On the following night the second son had to keep watch, but he fared no better. When the clock struck twelve, he too was fast asleep, and in the morning another apple was gone. The turn to watch now came to the third son, who was quite ready, but the king had not much confidence in him, and thought he would accomplish even less than his brothers. At last, however, he gave permission. So the youth lay down under the tree to watch, determined not to let sleep come upon him. As the clock struck twelve, there was a rustling in the air, and by the light of the moon he saw a bird whose shining feathers were of pure gold. The bird settled on the tree, and was just plucking an apple, when the young prince shot an arrow at it. The bird flew away, but the arrow hid its plumage, and one of the golden feathers fell to the ground. The prince picked it up, and in the morning took it to the king, and told him all that he had seen at night. The king assembled his council, and everybody declared that a feather like that was worth more than the whole kingdom. If the feather is worth so much, said the king, one will not satisfy me. I must and will have the whole bird. The eldest son, relying on his cleverness, set out in search of the bird, thinking that he would be sure to find it soon. When he had gone some distance, he saw a fox sitting by the edge of the wood. He raised his gun and aimed at it. The fox cried out, Do not shoot! and I will give you some good advice. You are going to look for the golden bird. At nightfall, you will come to a village where you will find two inns opposite each other. One of them will be brightly lighted, and there will be noises, revelry, going on in it. Be sure to not choose this one, but go on to the other, even if you do not like the looks of it. How can an animal give such good advice? thought the king's son, and he pulled the trigger. But he missed the fox, who turned tail and made off into the woods, whereupon the prince continued his journey, and at nightfall reached the village with the two ends. Singing and dancing were going on in the one, and the other looked poverty-stricken and decayed. I would be a fool, he said, if I were to go to that other place when this good one is so near— So he went into the noisy one, and lived there in revelry, forgetting the bird, his father, and all his good counsels. When some time had passed, and the eldest son did not come back, the second started in quest of the golden bird. He met the fox, as the eldest son had done, and gave him the same good advice to which he paid just as little attention. He came to the two inns and saw his brother standing at the window of one— from which came the sounds of revelry. He could not ignore his brother's calling, so he too went in and gave himself up to a life of pleasure. Again some time passed, and the king's youngest son wanted to go out to try his luck, but his father would not let him go. It is useless, he said. He will be even less able to find the golden bird than his brothers, and when any ill luck overtakes him, he will not be able to help himself. He has no backbone. But at last, because the sun gave him no peace, the king let him go. The fox again sat at the edge of the wood, begged for its life, and gave good advice. The prince was good-natured and said, Be calm, little fox. I will do you no harm. You won't regret it, answered the fox, and so that you may get along faster, come and ride on my tail. No sooner had he seated himself. than the fox began to run, and away they flew over stock and stone, at such a pace that his hair whistled in the wind. When they reached the village, the prince dismounted, and following the good advice of the fox, he went straight to the shabby inn without looking about him, and there he passed a peaceful night." In the morning, when he went out into the fields, there sat the fox, who said, "'I will now tell you what you must do next. Walk straight on till you come to a castle, in front of which a whole regiment of soldiers is encamped. Don't be afraid of them. They will all be asleep. Walk through the midst of them straight into the castle, and walk through all the rooms.' "'At last you will reach an apartment where the golden bird will be hanging in a wooden cage. A golden cage stands near it for show. But beware. Whatever you do, you must not take the bird out of the wooden cage to put it into the other, or it will go bad for you.' After these words, the fox again stretched out his tail. The prince took his seat on it, and away they flew over stock and stone till his hair whistled in the wind. When he arrived at the castle, he found everything just as the fox had said. The prince went to the room where the golden bird hung in the wooden cage. A golden cage was standing nearby, and the three golden apples were scattered about the room. He thought it would be absurd to leave the beautiful bird in the wooden cage, so he opened the door, caught it, and put it into the golden cage but as soon as he did so, the bird uttered a piercing shriek. The soldiers rushed up and carried him away to prison. Next morning he was taken before a judge, and as he confessed all, he was sentenced to death. The king, however, said that he would spare his life on one condition, that he bring him the golden horse, which runs faster than the wind. In addition, he would have the golden bird as his reward." So the prince set off with many sighs. He was very sad, for where was he to find the golden horse? Then suddenly he saw his old friend the fox sitting on the road. Now you see, said the fox, all this has happened because you did not listen to me. All the same, keep up your spirits. I will protect you and tell you how to find the golden horse. You must keep straight along the road and you will come to a palace, in the stable of which stands the golden horse. The grooms will be laying around the stable, but they will be fast asleep, and you can safely lead the horse through them. Only one thing you must beware of, put the old saddle of wood and leather upon it, and not the golden one hanging near, or you will regret it. Then the fox stretched out its tail. The prince took his seat, and away they flew over stock and stone, till his hair whistled in the wind. Everything happened just as the fox had said. The prince came to the stable where the golden horse stood. But when he was about to put the old saddle on its back, he thought, "'Such a beautiful animal will be disgraced if I don't put the good saddle upon him as he deserves.' Hardly had the golden saddle touched the horse when it began neighing and loudly doing so. The grooms awoke, seized the prince, and threw him into a dungeon. The next morning he was taken before the judge and condemned to death, but the king promised to spare his life and give him the golden horse as well, if he could bring him the beautiful princess out of the golden palace. With a heavy heart the prince set out. But to his delight, he soon met the faithful fox. "'I should leave you to your fate,' the fox said. "'But I will have pity on you, once more help you out of your troubles. "'Your road leads straight to the Golden Palace. "'You will reach it in the evening, and at night, when everything is quiet, "'the beautiful princess will go to the library to find a book. "'As she goes along, SPRING FORWARD AND GIVE HER HAND A KISS, AND SHE WILL FOLLOW YOU. LEAD HER AWAY WITH YOU. ONLY ON NO ACCOUNT ALLOW HER TO BID HER PARENTS good bye, OR IT WILL GO BADLY WITH YOU." AGAIN THE FOX STRETCHED OUT HIS TAIL, THE PRINCE SEATED HIMSELF UPON IT, AND OFF THEY FLEW OVER STOCK AND STONE, TILL HIS AIR WHISTLED IN THE WIND. WHEN HE GOT TO THE GOLDEN PALACE, IT WAS JUST AS THE FOX HAD SAID. HE WAITED TILL MIDNIGHT. And when the whole place was wrapped in sleep, the maiden went to the library to look for a book. He sprang forward, took her hand, and kissed it. She said she would quite willingly go with him, but she begged him to let her say good-bye to her parents. At first he refused, but she cried and fell at his feet. At last he gave her leave. Hardly had the maiden stepped up to her father's bed when he and everyone else in the palace woke up. The prince was seized and thrown into prison. Next morning the king said to him, Your life is forfeited, and it can be spared only if you clear away in front of my window the mountain which shuts out my views. It must be done in eight days, and if you accomplish the task, you shall have my daughter as reward. So the prince began his labors, and he dug and shoveled without ceasing. On the seventh day, when he saw how little he had done, he became very sad and gave up all hope. In the evening, however, the fox appeared and said, "'You did not deserve any help from me, but lie down and go to sleep. I will do the work.' In the morning, when he woke and looked out the window, the mountain had disappeared. Overjoyed, the prince hurried to the king and told him that his condition was fulfilled. And whether he liked it or not he must keep his word and give him his daughter so the prince and the king's daughter went away together and before long the faithful fox joined them you certainly have got the best thing of all he said but the golden horse belongs to the maiden of the golden palace how am i going to get it asked the prince oh i will tell you that answered the fox First, take the beautiful maiden to the king, who sent you to the golden palace. There will be great joy when you appear, and they will bring out the golden horse to you. Mount it at once, shake hands with everybody, and last of all with the beautiful maiden. And when you have taken her hand firmly, swing her up beside you and gallop away. No one will be able to catch you, for the horse goes faster than the wind." All this was done successfully, and the prince carried off the beautiful maiden on the golden horse. The fox was not far off, and he said to the prince, Now I will help you get the golden bird too. When you approach the castle where the golden bird lives, let the maiden dismount, and I will take care of her. Then ride with the golden horse into the courtyard of the castle. There will be great rejoicing when you see all the people and they will bring out the golden bird to you. As soon as you have the cage in your hand, gallop back to us and take up the maiden again." When these plans had succeeded, and the prince was ready to ride on with all his treasures, the fox said to him, "'Now you must reward me for my help.' "'What do you want?' asked the prince. "'When you reach the wood, shoot me and cut off my head and my paws.' That would indeed be gratitude, said the prince. I can't possibly promise to do such a thing. The fox said, If you won't do it, I must leave you. But before I go, I will give you one more piece of advice. Beware of two things. Buy no gallows birds, and don't sit on the edge of a well. After saying this, he ran off into the woods. The prince thought... That is a strange animal. What whims he has! Who on earth would want to buy gallow birds? And the desire to sit on the edge of a well has never yet seized me. He rode on with a beautiful maiden and rode on through the village where the two brothers had stayed behind. There was a great hubbub in the village, and when he asked what it was all about, he was told that two persons were going to be hanged. When he got nearer, he saw that they were his own brothers, who had wasted their possessions and done all sorts of evil deeds. He asked if they could not be set free. Yes, if you'll ransom them, answered the people, but why will you throw your money away on these gallow birds? Such wicked men! He did not stop to think, however, and he paid the ransom for them. When they were set free they all journeyed on together. They came to the wood where they had first met the fox. It was cold there, though the sun was boiling outside. The two brothers said, Let us sit down here by the well to rest a little and eat and drink. The prince agreed, and during the conversation he forgot what he was about, and never dreaming of any foul play, seated himself on the edge of the well. BUT HIS TWO BROTHERS THREW HIM BACKWARD INTO IT, AND WENT HOME TO THEIR FATHER, TAKING WITH THEM THE MAIDEN, THE HORSE, AND THE BIRD. HERE WE BRING YOU NOT ONLY THE GOLDEN BIRD, BUT THE GOLDEN HORSE, THE MAIDEN FROM THE GOLDEN PALACE AS OUR BOOTY, THEY SAID. WHEREUPON THERE WAS GREAT REJOICING, BUT THE HORSE WOULD NOT EAT, THE BIRD WOULD NOT SING, AND THE MAIDEN SAT AND wept ALL DAY. The youngest brother had not perished, however. Happily the well was dry, and he fell upon soft moss without being harmed. Yet he could not get out. Even in this circumstance the faithful fox did not forsake him, but came leaping down and scolded him for not taking his advice. I can't leave you to your fate, though. I must help you to get back to the light of day. He told him to take tight hold of his tail and then he dragged him out you are not out of every danger even now said the fox your brothers were not sure of your death so they have set guards all over the wood to kill you if they see you a poor old man was sitting by the roadside and the prince exchanged clothes with him By this means he succeeded in reaching the king's court. Nobody recognized him, but the bird began to sing, the horse began to eat, and the beautiful maiden left off crying. In astonishment the king asked, What does all this mean? The maiden answered, I do not know, but I was very sad, and now I am happy. It seems to me that my true bridegroom must have come. She told the king all that had happened. ALTHOUGH THE TWO BROTHERS HAD THREATENED HER WITH DEATH, IF SHE BETRAYED ANYTHING. THE KING ORDERED EVERY PERSON IN THE PALACE TO BE BROUGHT BEFORE HIM. AMONG THEM CAME THE PRINCE, DISGUISED AS AN OLD MAN, IN ALL HIS RAGS. BUT THE MAIDEN KNEW HIM AT ONCE AND EMBRACED HIM. THE WICKED BROTHERS WERE SEIZED AND PUT TO DEATH. BUT THE PRINCE WAS MARRIED TO THE BEAUTIFUL MAIDEN AND PROCLAIMED HEIR TO THE KING. Long afterwards, when the prince went out into the fields one day, he met the fox who said, "'You have everything that you can desire, but there is no end to my misery. It still lies in your power to release me.' And again he begged the prince to shoot him dead and to cut off his head and his paws. At last the prince consented to do as he was asked, and no sooner was it done than the fox was changed into a man.' He was no other than the brother of the beautiful princess, at last set free from the evil spell which had so long lain upon him. There was nothing now wanting to their happiness for the rest of their lives. The Queen Bee. Two king's sons who had gone out into the world fell into a wild, reckless way of living, and gave up all thoughts of going home again. The third and youngest brother, named Whitling, had remained behind. Now he started off to seek them. When at last he found them, they jeered at his thinking that he could make his way in the world, when they, who were so much cleverer, were unsuccessful. But they all three went on together until they came to an anthill. This the two older brothers wished to stir up, to set the little ants hurrying about in fright and carrying off their eggs. But Whitling said, Leave the little creatures alone. I will not permit them to be disturbed. They went on further until they came to a lake where some ducks were swimming about. The two elder brothers wanted to catch a couple and cook them, but Whitling said that he would not allow it. He said, Leave the creatures alone. I will not permit them to be killed. Then they came to a bee's hive in a tree. There was so much honey in it, That it overflowed and ran down the trunk. The two elder brothers then wanted to make a fire beneath the tree so that the bees might be stifled by the smoke, and then they could get at the honey. But Whitling prevented them, saying, "'Leave the little creatures alone. I will not permit them to be stifled.' At last the three brothers came to a castle. The brothers went through all the rooms until they came to a door at the end secured with three locks and in the middle of the door was a small opening through which they could look into the room a little gray-haired man was sitting at a table they called out to him once twice and he did not hear but at the third time he got up undid the locks and came out without speaking a word he led them to a table set with all sorts of good things and when they had eaten and drunk he showed to each of his bedchambers. The next morning the little gray man came to the eldest brother, and beckoned him, brought him to a table of stone, on which was written three things, telling how the castle could be delivered from its enchantment. The first thing was that in the wood under the moss lay the pearls belonging to the princess. A thousand in number they were to be sought for and collected, and if he would undertake the task— AND HAD NOT FINISHED IT BY SUNSET, HE WOULD BE TURNED TO STONE. SO THE ELDEST SON WENT OUT AND SEARCHED ALL DAY, BUT AT THE END OF IT HE HAD FOUND ONLY ONE HUNDRED, AND SO HE WAS TURNED INTO STONE. THE SECOND BROTHER UNDERTOOK THE ADVENTURE NEXT DAY, BUT IT FARED NO BETTER WITH HIM THAN WITH THE FIRST. HE FOUND TWO HUNDRED pearls, AND HE WAS TURNED INTO STONE." At last it was Whitling's turn, and he began to search in the moss, but it was very difficult to find the pearls, and he grew so despondent that he sat down on a stone and began to weep. As he cried, up came the ant-king with five thousand ants, whose lives had been saved through Whitling's pity, and it was not very long before the little insect had collected all the pearls and put them in a heap. Now the second thing ordered by the table of stone was to get the key of the princess's sleeping chamber out of the lake, and when Whitling came to the lake the ducks whose lives he had saved came swimming, and they dived down and brought up the key from the bottom. The third thing that had to be done was the most difficult, and that was to pick the youngest and loveliest of the three princesses as they lay sleeping all bore a perfect resemblance each to the other and differed only in this that before they went to sleep each one had eaten something different the eldest had eaten a piece of sugar the second a little syrup and a third a spoonful of honey now the queen bee of those bees that whitling had protected from the fire came at this moment and trying the lips of all three settled on those of the one who had eaten the honey. So it was that the king's son knew which to choose. Then the spell was broken. Everyone woke from their stony sleep and took his right form again. And Whitling carried the youngest and loveliest princess and became king after her father's death. The Twelve Dancing Princesses. Once upon a time there was a king who had twelve beautiful daughters. Their names were Marion, Nancy, Susan, Peggy, Jean, Louise, Judith, Sally, Nora, Lily, Beth, and Nina. At night, when they had gone to bed, the king locked the door and bolted it, but when he unlocked it in the morning, he noticed that the shoes of the princesses had been danced to pieces, and nobody could explain how it happened. So the king set out a proclamation saying that any one that could discover where the princesses did their night's dancing might choose one of them to be his wife and reign after his death. But whoever presented himself and failed to make the discovery after three days and nights was to forfeit his life. A prince soon appeared and offered to put himself to the task. He was well received at night was taken into a room adjoining the hall where the princesses slept. He was to watch and see if they left the room and where they went to dance. And so, that he could not do anything or leave without being seen, the door of the room was left open. But the eyes of the prince grew heavy, and he fell asleep. When he woke up in the morning, all twelve princesses had been dancing, for the soles of their shoes were full of holes." The second and third evening passed with the same result. The prince was then granted no mercy and he was killed. Many others came after him and offered to take the risk that they all lost their lives. Now it happened that a poor soldier, who had been wounded and could not fight any longer, found himself on the road to the town where the king lived. There he met an old woman who asked him where he was going. "'I really don't know,' he said. "'And he added in fun, "'I would like to discover where the king's daughters "'dance their shoes into holes. "'After that, I would like to become a king.' "'That is not so difficult,' said the old woman. "'You must not drink the wine, "'which will be brought to you in the evening, "'but must pretend to be fast asleep.' "'Then she gave him a cloak, saying, "'When you wear this, you will be invisible.' And you can follow the twelve princesses. When the soldier heard this advice, he plucked up the courage to appear before the king and offer himself as a suitor. He was as well received as the others and was dressed in royal garments. In the evening, when bedtime came, he was shown to the room next to the princesses. As he was about to go to bed, the eldest princess near brought him a cup of wine. But he only pretended to drink it. Then he lay down, and when he had been quiet for a while, he began to snore as though he was in a deep sleep. The twelve princesses heard him. The eldest said, He too must forfeit his life. Then they got up, opened the cupboards, chests, and cases, and brought out their beautiful dresses. When they were all ready, they looked at the soldier, but his eyes were shut. And he did not stir so they thought they would soon be quite safe then the eldest went up to one of the beds and knocked on it it sank into the earth and they descended through the opening one after another the eldest first the soldier who had noticed everything did not hesitate long but put on his cloak and went down behind the youngest halfway down he stepped on her dress she was frightened and said what was that who is holding on to my dress? Don't be so foolish. You must have caught it on a nail, said the eldest. Then they went down, and at the bottom they stood in a beautiful avenue of trees. All the leaves were silver, which glistened and shone. The soldier thought, I must take a souvenir of my visit with me. As he broke off a twig, a sharp crack came from the tree. The youngest princess cried out, All is not well. Do you hear that sound? Those are only our princes, heralding our approach, said the eldest. Next they came to an avenue, where all the leaves were of gold, and at last into the third, where they were shining diamonds. From both these the soldiers broke off a twig, and there was a crack each time which startled the youngest princess. But the eldest insisted that the the sounds were only those of the princes, joyful at their coming. They went on faster and came to a great lake. Close to the bank lay twelve little boats. In every boat sat a handsome prince. They had expected the twelve princesses, and each took one with him. But the soldier seated himself by the youngest. Then said her prince, "'I don't know why.' but the boat seems very heavy today i must row with all my strength to move it along perhaps it is the weather said the youngest princess it is very warm on the opposite side of the lake stood a brightly lighted castle from which came the merry music of trumpets and drums they rowed across and every prince danced with his princess the soldier danced too unseen if one of the princesses held a cup of wine the soldier drank out of it so that it was empty when she lifted it to her lips this frightened the youngest one but the eldest always silenced her they danced till three next morning when their shoes were worn to pieces and they had to stop the princes took them back across the lake and this time the soldier took his seat beside the eldest on the bank they said farewell to their prince to their princes, and promised to come again the next night. When they got to the steps the soldier ran on ahead, lay down in bed, and when the twelve came by slowly, they began he began to snore again, so that they said, We are quite safe so far as he is concerned. Then they went into their rooms and went to sleep. THE NEXT MORNING THE SOLDIER DECIDED TO SAY NOTHING, HE WANTED TO SEE MORE, SO HE WENT WITH THEM THE SECOND AND THIRD NIGHT. EVERYTHING WAS JUST THE SAME AS THE FIRST TIME, AND THEY DANCED EACH TIME TILL THEIR SHOES WERE WORN TO SHREDS. THE THIRD TIME THE SOLDIER TOOK AWAY A WINE CUP AS A SOUVENIR. WHEN THE TIME CAME, HE TOOK THE THREE TWIGS AND THE CUP WITH HIM AND WENT BEFORE THE KING. THE TWELVE PRINCESSES STOOD BEHIND THE DOOR LISTENING TO HEAR WHAT WOULD BE SAID. WHEN THE KING ASKED THE QUESTION, WHERE DO MY DAUGHTERS DANCE AT NIGHT, HE ANSWERED, WITH TWELVE princes IN AN UNDERGROUND CASTLE. THEN HE PRODUCED THE SOUVENIRS. THE KING SENT FOR HIS DAUGHTERS AND ASKED THEM WHETHER THE SOLDIER HAD SPOKEN THE TRUTH. AS THEY SAW, THEY WOULD NOT GAIN ANYTHING BY LYING. THEY ADMITTED ALL whereupon the king asked the soldier which one he would choose as his wife. He answered, Since I feel that I know her best of all, and that she knows me a little, I will take the youngest. So the wedding was celebrated that very day, and the kingdom was promised to the soldier on the king's death.